0: And welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. Good to have you back again. We're in Studio B and not Studio A. And we're back actually in person doing a real show together like in the same room, not, not on Skype or Zoom or whatever. So uh, the restrictions in our area have eased, and really, where me and you live, Roger, there's it's not that there's really not a lot of cases going around.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I just saw in our community, literally where we're sitting at right now, there was a family of five people that all had it. And they've all recovered from it. Yeah. But that's the only really case that I've heard here local that I've heard of. Yeah. Our church personally hasn't had any right. yet. yet. Yeah. So I don't know about yours.
0: Yeah. No, nobody nobody in my church has, has come down with it. So um, except one person who, who lives in an assisted living facility. But other than that, nobody. Yeah. We've been real fortunate uh, to, you know, we kind of live a little bit out from the major city, so
1: it's funny to say that because everybody, you know, I've been to big cities, and I, I know you're referring to Birmingham, right? But um, even Birmingham's not really big not city big, compared no. to other places right. that I've traveled through. And so some of the people who are listening to us today are going, "Yeah, yeah, I don't know what big city is." And right. Honestly, we really <laughs> don't. Um, so, other than we visited some,
0: so all that just to say that's why we're you know back in person because uh, it's it's not bad in our area and. It's restrictions have eased but it's good so today i know a lot of times it seems like in the past uh you know we some some of our episodes you know they're very you know we talk about the negative side of addiction a pretty good bit you Mm -hmm. know because it's important to know those things but today we have a show for you guys where we're talking about the positive side of recovery and um, we're going to talk about the 12 rewards of recovery and so I'm pretty excited about this because it just all, all these different 12 things that we're going to talk about, it, it's most of them, I would say all of them have come true. Um, me. I mean, I, when I read this, um, I think, I think you ran across it on a Facebook post or something like that and sent it to me and it's great. It, the first thing I thought about was the ninth step promises, Yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's a lot of similarities in those and, I remember the first time I was in a meeting where they read the nice stuff promises because they don't do that in every meeting, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they read them out, and uh, and they and they get to that part where it says, "Are these extravagant promises?" We think not. We think not. And I was like, "No, those are really <laughs> extravagant." It's like financial insecurity and all that, all the different things. I was like, "Those are very extravagant promises." Right. And, uh, but you know, now after, after putting a few 24 hours together, you know, all of these things have come true for me and I'm not saying that everything's perfect now or anything like that, but it's amazing just how, you know, um, you know, if you put one step in front of the other, so many blessings of
1: sobriety come true. I agree. I agree completely. So let's talk about these 12 rewards of recovery. And again, as you said, um, I, we did not come up with these. Um, I actually saw these off of a Facebook post of a group, and I believe that, that it was probably cut and paste from somewhere else, so I don't know who to give credit to here, but we're going to um, take their bullet points and expand on them. And so the 12 uh, rewards of recovery, the first one is hope instead of desperation. I, I think anyone in recovery can understand what it means to have hope um, again. And maybe not in the early stages, because there in the beginning, um, I didn't think hope was a a real word. It was just something that could never be found again, because I was so desperate. And it just never was going to work. But honestly, that desperation is what led me to hope. And without that desperation, I don't know that I would ever got sober, because it took me completely running out of solutions to ever try someone else's suggestion.
0: Yeah, I mean, they call it the gift of, of desperation. I've heard that um, a lot of times. And when I first heard it, I was like, what in the world are they talking about? But, um, you know, having gotten to that, you know, hit a hit a few different bottoms um, a few different times, um, just where you just get to where you're just like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to stay sober. I'm never going to be free of this addiction. Um, you know, it, it seems strange, you know, to think back to that time now, um, it'll be, I got one more month, it'll be seven years ago, was when I, you know, was at that point. Right. And it seems like so long ago, and it's hard to remember what that that feeling of desperation, that feeling of not having any hope is like. Um, but I think I try to remember that because it's good for me to remember that I was in a place where I, I literally, thought I was never going to be sober again or never going to be able to even do it. And, um, you know, thankfully I I went to a a rehab that, you know, they were like, don't worry about 10 years from now, you know, let's let, how about you just eat, you know, this meal (laughs) (laughs) and let's gain a few pounds or whatever. We'll go, we'll take it from there. You know, one step at a time, easy does it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, having hope now, is incredibly life-changing as opposed to just having no hope whatsoever and just being desperate.
1: Which brings us to our second one, which is faith instead of despair. All right, so faith was a word that I just did not comprehend anymore. Um, I've talked about it many times on here. Uh, I was not a spiritual person by no means. It was strictly about me controlling my own life, my own destiny, destiny and whatever I wanted to do I could do but then ultimately I lost that choice because of the drugs and alcohol I mean Mm -hmm. I was I was a slave and so faith was something I didn't ever ever lean on I never thought that something bigger than me could ever fix my situation it was about me picking myself up by my bootstraps and ultimately, that quit working, and so despair was where I was at. Like I give up. It's it's mm-hmm. never going to change. But when I came to that point where I was desperate and that I could not do it myself, and began looking outside of myself because I ran out of solutions, well, then that's where faith had to come in. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't fix myself, who who or what could? Right. You know, I, I didn't have to that in the beginning and I listened to guys like you and other people in our meetings just like our listeners are hearing us. I didn't know them but I was willing to say obviously their life is better than mine. I mean, they're smiling. They're um, driving
0: a car that's not bent it up.
1: <laughs> that is so true because mine was a 2000 uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse and the front end was rolled up and, and like the, wind, the hood was in the windshield from where I had drove underneath the house. <laughs> Literally, drove underneath the house. And um, so yeah, I completely get it. I had a car, thankfully, to get me back and forth to meetings, but it definitely looked like a meetings car. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, everybody drives in with that first one. If Mama ain't taking you your meetings, Mom in the beginning. was taking me. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it, yeah, I, that's a common practice. So yeah, I, I definitely picked up um some faith in the process, and but I didn't know um yeah. I, I didn't come to a saving faith. You know, as we would talk about in a church, it was just faith that something had. Other than me, had to work. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And then our number three reward of recovery is courage instead of fear. So when I I remember back to active addiction, uh, the main thing that I was really fearful of was not death. Uh, I don't know why I didn't really. It was just not something I feared. Um, a lot of times I've, I I kind of thought it would it would be better if I died. Everybody else would be better off if if I wasn't here. I wouldn't be causing so much trouble in everybody's life, all that kind of stuff, irrational thoughts that you have when you're in active addiction. But the main thing I was always fearful of was going to prison for years and years. And I was looking at that for a long time. I was looking at a 10-year prison sentence and I was in drug court, and I got kicked out, and I was doing the whole color code stuff and all that stuff. But I, I, I can never make it long without popping on a test. And there was this one time, probably the scariest I've ever been in my life, where I went in to see the judge. I had failed my previous drug test, and he was like, "Well, I'm sorry, you know, that's it. And uh, you're, you know, you're gonna, you're going down, you know. So uh, you're going up the road or some whatever." Yeah. He said. And so they put the handcuffs on me in court and I sat there and I was like, man, and it's I, over. It's over. And the not I knew about the court appearance obviously and I, and the show that came on was that lockdown or lock lock up or yep, whatever yep. like that and I was just like I was terrified. <laughs> uh i'm not big enough to go to prison like i'm not i don't want to go so but anyway it it ended up i ended up not going to prison he ended up giving me one more chance and all this kind of stuff and you know i'm thankful that that happened but the amount of fear that i used to just always live in especially with all the court stuff thinking i'm never going to be i'm always going to be going to court for the rest of my life you know and and now uh I'm applying for a pardon from the governor and confident doing it. You know, I'm not saying like I'm courageous because I'm applying for a pardon, but I mean, that is definitely like a a huge difference. You know, there's a dichotomy there where, you know, I'm fearful of the law and, and the police and all that kind of stuff like I used to be, but now, you know, I'm confident because I know that I've been, Doing this, you know, trying to live the best, um, and work the best recovery program that I can.
1: Our listeners will certainly know which one of us have got the most schooling because you will never hear me use the word dichotomy anytime I speak. Dichotomy. I will never, ever. I rest <laughs> assured, that word will never come into my mouth as we do this. You got more schooling than me, dude. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Well, obviously, you retain what you learn because nah. I do not. <laughs> So uh, our, our fourth reward in recovery is peace of mind instead of confusion. So this is what I thought of when I, I read this is that I don't know about you because um, I, I can still suffer from this today, even years sober, that I was always drawn towards drama. Like, I wouldn't even create drama into my life. Mm-hmm. That drama always left me in a state of confusion because I was always looking for more, I don't know if it was to be stimulated or, or what, but it was just the, the craziness, the chaos mm-hmm. that came through that. And honestly, it was very difficult to ever live that way. I was always trying to figure out how to plan um, another high, to screw somebody over on a I mean, it was just never any rest there. Um, it was always chaos and confusion in my life. And so I, I do c- completely agree that now in recovery, I, I know what peace is. I know what it's like to sit there and just be aware and present of what's going on. Uh, some Just a side note, it has nothing to do with, well, I guess it does, With what we're doing, I just started doing something new, and and this is something you're going to learn. Oh no! Have you ever done guided meditations? Yes. So I've started doing that for about two weeks now. Every morning, I've got my same routine. I wake up before everybody else in my house. Like
0: using an app or something?
1: Well, I, you know me, I'm not going to spend no money, so I'm using (laughs) YouTube, and there's just bookos of them on there. And so after I get up in the morning, um, I'll pray. I'll kind of do a few things on my phone that I always do, check emails and stuff like that. And then I come down and I work out because we have to go to the gym and I've got some stuff set up, um, downstairs to work out. And then after that I'll get sat on my porch and drink coffee and do these guided meditations. And they've been able be just aware of what's going on and help remove some stress. Think about where I'm at. But ultimately what it's given me is this peace of mind that I've, that I've kind of lost here lately, yeah. and it, because I keep I stay focused on problems, I'm real bad to stay focused on problems. And when I get caught up in a problem, it's really hard to find a solution. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, with that rabbit trail we just ran down, I have found a lot of peace even in these guided meditations that I've done. Yeah,
0: there's one. There's a podcast I've been listening to. I think I sent it to you. It's called Compline, and it's like a, um, it's like an evening liturgy. Um, and it's put out, put out by Sanford university, their arts, their worship and arts program. But all it is, is like, it's music set to scripture readings and prayers and original music. And it's very meditative in the way that it's set up. And I've been listening to that at night before I go to sleep. And it is, um, all the craziness that's going on in your head built up all day. It helps to, to, to kind of like bring that to a, a close. Right. And so I, I think it's great to do those, those type of things. I need to do it more. And then the next one, number five is, man, we're, we, we're going to have to move along on these, huh?
1: <laughs> you like to talk a lot. I
0: know It's all my fault. <laughs> number five is self-respect instead of self contempt. Um, so yesterday I already told you this, but um, it's, it's a, it's, it relates to this is a good analogy for this i was pulling in on my road and i saw a guy in his car just right out in the middle of the road right by a stop sign like where i had to almost go off in a ditch to get around him and his car door his driver door was open and he was his knees were on the on the pavement and he was leaned over into his car seat with his head in his car seat he must have dropped a cigarette. He must have dropped a cigarette. No, he didn't drop a cigarette. He dropped something. But anyway, like I was like, What is this guy doing? And so I rolled down the window and I was like, Hey dude, are you okay? Everything okay? And when he turned around and looked at me, not startled, like just totally chill, like turned around and looked at me. Why aren't you looking at your seat? Right. He had white powder on you know, on one of his nose and I looked in the seat and I had white powder all in the seat where he had spilled it. And so I immediately was like, you know, he dropped some of his drugs, and he was snorting them, you know, yeah. while just right there in the middle of the road. And we're in, like, this is like a, like a sleepy community of families, right. you know, where, where I live. And so it was so weird, it caught me off guard. But, you know, talking about not, you know, self-respect instead of self-contempt, like, he don't have no self-respect, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not being judging of him because I was him. You know, I've I would I've done the exact same things. There was one time where I dropped a pill in between my seats, and I, I, had, I went and got a socket set and had my car seat out on the road in 10 minutes and, was, and got it, and I mean, <laughs> and my neighbors were like, why is this car seat out on the road? I mean, so, but anyway, long story short, you know, thinking back to when I could not stand myself, and I hated myself, to where now most days I can go to sleep at night without any, you know, without any regret for my, my previous day as far as like I didn't, you know, I didn't wrong somebody. Most days I don't. Or if I do, I don't know about it. Uh. But, you know, having that is, is just incredible to, to not always, when I look in the mirror, I don't hate myself anymore. And that's incredible.
1: Well, I, I definitely I could expand on that myself, but I know for the for the sake of time, we've got to keep moving. The sixth uh, the sixth reward that we could talk about here is self confidence instead of helplessness, and um, I know my story is probably not the same as everybody, but I've learned that I'm not unique as well because what I may have experienced, someone else may not have, but they may have experienced something that I have not. Um, but you know, I talk a lot about losing my hand, um, and when I i can't blame everything my addiction on me losing a body part that that's not the case but it did um exacerbate is that is that a word yeah, can i, no, oh, you I did it big word <laughs> 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 it made it much worse uh, because um when I lost my hand, I really felt helpless. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't a man anymore. Just immediately, I'm like, I didn't even have kids at the time. How am I going to throw ball at my kid? How am I going to teach him how to do manly things with one hand? And all of those things just made me feel completely helpless. So I had no confidence in myself anymore. And so I tried to just stay high. Well, ultimately, I was joking with a guy yesterday who asked me, how would you lose your hand? And we went through the whole story. And I was like, I tried to kill myself on drugs, but that wouldn't work. And so, obviously, I had to get high <laughs> because that wasn't going I mean, I had to get sober because that just wasn't working. Right. And so, I made it to recovery. And, you know, when, when I started working through these steps, I had no confidence at all. Um, there was – I didn't really think I would stay sober. You know, just to be honest, I knew, I really did believe other people were sober, but I didn't think that I could do it. And when I saw people picking up chips, man, there's no way that I could get a (laughs) 30-day chip. I mean, who cares about a one-year chip? I mean, 30 days is out of my reach. And so, but as I went through one day at a time, man, I began building some confidence again. And so it was it was good to feel that again Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even in like an arrogant way it was just like just to feel like i had a little bit of value again like i could do things yeah and it was the small wins that i was so grateful for just making it through a day i think you mentioned earlier just eating a meal i mean just eating a, a regiment of three meals a day again those were small wins um it took a while to really for it all to begin to sink in because even when i was winning i didn't know i was winning it usually took a sponsor or someone else to point those out to me
0: yeah like you you're you're doing good here yeah yeah, yeah this i is mean what we're about yeah, you know
1: yeah. you, you don't have to have seventy thousand dollars in your checking account today let's yeah. just have seven dollars yeah and put one in the basket when it comes around <laughs> right you know that's all we got to do today yeah.
0: that's good Uh, Number seven is the respect of others instead of their pity and contempt. Um, I I know for me, I used to do the pity, play the pity card so much in active addiction. Um, You know, people would always ask, you know, why can't you just or I would have different family members or whatever say, why can't you just quit? Well then I would go into this whole well if you you know if you would have had this happen and this happen and all this and all kind of excuses trying to get their sympathy which looking back like I they never gave it to me you know I mean I don't know what what I was really thinking there <laughs> um but like the amount of lying that I did to get pity from and, and try to get some kind of sympathy for, from somebody I mean, it was all just a big lie just to try to get money out of somebody. And I honestly, I I know there was people that, like, I just randomly called up just asking for money. Um, I saw a GoFundMe the other day from somebody who I know is on on drugs, and it was, like, asking for something for their kid or whatever. And I was like, that ain't for their kid. (laughs) And I was like, and I immediately was like, how could they? And then I was like, wait. They didn't have GoFundMe whenever I was doing this. I know. And I was I like, the same thing. I was like, I know I would have done that. No. I would have put up a GoFundMe for some drug money in a heartbeat if that would have been around then. But just to, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that. Little Jimmy needs diapers. Yeah. I mean, little Jimmy needs a Christmas <laughs> presents. Yeah. But like, I, I know, like, I have the respect of my wife and, and my close friends. Um, it feels incredible to know that somebody trusts you, that people can trust you again. that when you say you're going to do something like they really believe that you're going to come through for them and then you do, you know, it, it, it it feeds back on a lot of those things like self-confidence and self-respect that we've already talked about.
1: Which also builds on this same one, what you're, what you're talking about. The eighth reward is a clean conscience instead of a sense of guilt. Um, When I was out there, using, of course, I had done all the things you just mentioned of manipulating the system. Master manipulators mm-hmm. is what a drug addict is yep. or an alcoholic. If you're not, then you just haven't done drugs long enough because eventually you will, <laughs> you will get there because you're yeah. going to figure out a way to feed your addiction. Yeah. And that's, just, that's, that's what we do. And so I was good at that. And, of course, to be a master manipulator, then someone has to, to be the victim. And I didn't want to be the victim. I wanted to benefit off of you somehow or another. And so I, I burned a lot of bridges by hurting other people and through schemes like you mentioned and, and all of those things. And so there was a lot of guilt that I had to walk with. Even before I got sober, I would wake up and remember some of those things. Now, to be fair, people say I'm crazy when I say this, but I know some of our listeners will relate with this. When I, when I came to the end of my my road to it with addiction i I tell people i I never had a conscience anymore Um, i Mm -hmm. just i don't know that i even cared about right or wrong anymore it was just simply feed the addiction um and so I, i didn't even care that i was doing bad no more just do what you gotta do to get high yeah and so, a lot of people just say, "No, I always knew what I was doing was right or wrong. I may have known it, I don't know, but I, I didn't care anymore." I I, re- mean,
0: I remember telling a family member, "All I care about is getting high, yes. And just being just just knowing, like that's all I really care about."
1: Yeah. I mean. Uh, I, I I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't have cared if I'd stole your phone off your kid. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it just would not have bothered me because it was about me. And I wouldn't have, oh, I shouldn't have done that. No, I don't care. Right, if, yeah. if he had another one, I'd steal it too. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd call that one <laughs> find out where it is. And, and so um, when I got sober, I began to weed through that stuff by doing some step work, by taking an inventory, by making some amends. Doing the the steps that we talk about, I began getting um, all all the guilt was kind of removed to where Mm -hmm. I could hold my head up again and I could get a, a clear conscience. And the coolest thing that happened for me in recovery, especially around that eighth and ninth step, is when I'd made my amends and I could begin looking people in the eye again. And I I, I remember in, being in a grocery store one day and literally holding my head up and looking people face-to-face again because for so long I was ashamed of who I was. And because I had been making things right, I I had a clear conscience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, number nine
0: is real friendship instead of loneliness. And I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. We are talking about... um You know, people in your active addiction, most of them aren't your real friends. You know, they're not friends at all. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, thinking back to my active addiction, uh, I remember when I first started going to meetings, um, like nobody called me. Like I I didn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody, you know. The only people that were calling me after I first come into meetings were dealers. And, uh, hey man, I got a deal for yeah, you. You. <laughs> you know, you see the name P or D come up on there or whatever, <laughs> and you're like, and then I try to delete, delete their numbers and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, when I first started going to meetings, I've been going a couple months, like every single day. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy in there who, um, you know, had, I'm sure when I first came in there, he kind of was like, oh, this poor guy, you know, look at this dude. <laughs> 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 and, uh, so, you know, after I've been coming a while, he was like, hey, man. He was like, some of us are going to watch the football game Saturday. If you want to come over, we're going to grill out and everything. And I was just like, wow. Like, somebody wants me to be around? Right. That is crazy. And then they were always saying, keep coming back. You know, um, I didn't know that was kind of an underhanded compliment, like the way it's used <laughs> a lot of times now. But, but it made me like, I was like, they want me to keep coming? Right. What? Yeah. I didn't know it really meant like you really need to keep coming <laughs> but but anyway, like now, like thinking back to there to the past and my addiction and when I first came into the rooms and and what my life is like now and the and the amazing friends that I have i um, mean it's because of the blessings of sobriety and and working the steps and and having God in my life and working in my life um through those steps it's
1: amazing the tenth uh the 10th um, reward of recovery is uh, a clean pattern of life instead of a purposeless existence. Now, I think you gave me the hardest one on purpose <laughs> here. A clean pattern of life instead of a purposeless existence. Now, um, I don't know because I, I have struggled with this purpose here personally for a little while, but it's not like I'm just meaninglessly just kind of wandering through the world. It's different. I get what this rule or this reward is talking about. Uh, because I had no reason to wake up every morning. Mm. I mean, literally, I, I woke up to get high, and now I have an opportunity to wake up every morning and share my faith with other people. I have an opportunity to wake up and share my recovery with other people, uh, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a purpose. Uh, we record these on Mondays, and so every Monday I have a purpose to come in here and get behind this mic and share what I believe is valuable content listeners of tools that we've picked up in recovery so there's a purpose here hopefully that someone else won't have to die um and and feel like they're all alone and they can pick up something a tool from us to possibly help them down the road yeah so there's there is a a clear pattern for my life now now is it always straightforward and perfect and laid out no it is not there's going to be times that you're going to struggle in recovery to where you don't really know exactly what you're supposed to be doing and honestly that season may last much longer than you want to and i've been in that season Mm -hmm. for a while but that doesn't mean that i don't know that it will finally become clear a season from now and go huh? why did i make such a big deal out of that oh yeah so there is a purpose even in the midst of the confusion
0: oh yeah i like that uh, and then number 11 is the love and understanding of our families instead of their doubts and fears. Um, you know, I, I had, I think I've shared before that I used to get banned from all the family gatherings or whatever, because they were afraid I was going to steal something or do something crazy or whatever. And now when I see my family, like it, I, I love it. You know, I I have a great time talking and catching up with everybody and, um, you know, I, I call my mom, you know, I, I used to, I went years without talking to my mom regularly. And now it's like, I can't even imagine, you know, not doing that and not having that relationship, you know, with her. But, um, you know, it, it's just incredible that, that it, I mean, it took now, it, it didn't happen overnight, right. you know, um, uh, my family, respecting me and and trusting me that that was that was not necessarily an overnight deal it took time it i mean it really took years
1: just because you go apologize for using you're not gonna do it no more they're not gonna gonna go oh well come on over here go here and check my medicine cabinet make sure everything's cool cool and organized yeah
0: i mean even though you're a year or two sober i mean if you say i'm going to the bathroom they're gonna be like is he gonna check the medicine cabinet (laughs) they're still gonna think that and and for a long time, I was like, why can't they just tr- go ahead and just trust me now? I really well, mean it this time. I really mean it this time. I mean, we've all said those t- type of things. But when you're in active addiction for 10 years and then you've been sober a year or two, that's nothing to them. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Um, but, you know, you, you you have a lot of newcomers who are in the middle of that where they're just, you know, they're torn up about the fact that one of their family members doesn't trust them, is suspicious of them or whatever. But you know, um, the best way to get trust is just, is consistency over
1: time. I agree completely. Well, our final uh, reward that we can find in recovery, and I don't believe these twelve are all of them. No, Just like no, the nine-step promises not. don't cover yeah. everything, uh, but the the twelfth reward is the freedom of a happy life instead of the bondage of addiction. So, what does a happy life look like? Uh, I, I would say simply being able to wake up and breathe and be okay in your own skin is freedom number one to me. Yeah. Um, And that's a big deal, just being okay in your own skin, because I I hated that. I hated being in a room full of people and feeling like I was all alone. That was not freedom to me. And so that was a difficult thing in itself, um, in addition. So I I guess for me today is to know that I'm okay in my own skin, that I'm okay with who I am, um, even though there may be times that I, I, I struggle with that, but um, being a slave to addiction is not freedom. In, in fact, if you were to look outside, this is one of the things that, I, that I've been going through for a while, about as long as we've been doing this podcast. I don't feel like I'm obese by no means. Now, if you looked at the little BMI scales and all that, you would say, <laughs> that, oh, you're way too much. I don't, I don't even really care about that because I've used other things to identify me in my life. and. I I I go by what Christ sees me as today. But um I do know that I didn't get sober just to pack on a bunch of weight and not be able to enjoy my rest of my sober life because of health issues due to being overweight. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a balance that I have to sure. find to stay healthy and all. And so even if you're that person that struggles like with not wanting to go to the gym or not wanting to do diets or any of that, you'd just rather um, being sober is good enough for me. I mean, I did that for a long time, right. and that's how the weight got there. Mm-hmm. So I find myself exercising, and doing those things every day. And there's freedom in doing that. Oh, there's yeah. freedom to know that. And the reason I say that is because I could go do things with my kids today that I couldn't do a few years ago because. Well, I just didn't have the energy. I was yeah. lethargic, and I mean the stress that I had going on, and and exercise helps me deal with the stress. It helps me get into a better physical shape, and so I have the freedom now to do things with my kids that I wouldn't have done in the past. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of ways to look at that depending on your addiction, uh, but I do know that freedom is a is just a it's a byproduct you get by working the steps. Yeah. It just. There's not a day you wake up and go, oh, here it is. I'm uh, free. Yeah, it, it just it happens. You just yeah. experience it.
0: Yeah, and I mean to me, like happiness, um, uh, we could do a whole show on this, but um, you know, it all it all is contingent on your expectation level. You, you're gonna you're gonna smile when I say this, but reality uh, happiness is reality minus expectation. Yeah. Remember that one i don't from the meetings
1: I know. i've never heard the one, one
0: person who used to always say that i don't know who that anyway is. yeah but it's true you know when i have my expectation levels set actually too high i'm not going to be happy but when i think back to when i used to wake up every morning fiending for drugs and alcohol and having to go wreak havoc all day to try to get them well then all of a sudden i can go you know what I am pretty happy right now, right. you know, because I'm not bound. I'm not in bondage. I'm not in chains to drugs and alcohol anymore. I wake up every morning and I feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't wake up, you know, uh, in, the with, fetal in the fetal position anymore. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of times I get I get really um, unsatisfied and discontent with my life but, you know, whenever you think about that and put everything into context and, and, and remember how bad it was, it really helps you be thankful and grateful for what we do have and all of these blessings of sobriety that we do have.
1: So if you find yourself listening to this and go, why should I get sober? Why can I? Why, why should I change? Well, there's a, a list of 12 reasons we believe that you should get sober, uh, not for anybody else, but for yourself. Uh, yeah. Those are benefits that you will – reap a rewards that are given to you by working instead. So um, I, I think it's worth it. Uh, there's no way I would ever go back on purpose. No. And um, I'm not saying that I, I won't because I've just learned that's not the best way to, right. to look at that. But I hope and pray I never end up getting lazy in my recovery and end up back there. So um before we get out of here, I do want to say thank you guys that have went on to our social media and also on our podcast platforms and rated and reviewed us. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, big, well, that's a big thank you to you. Yeah. And it really shows us how much you like us, and it also helps us get the word out. So thank you for doing that. Um Also, if you haven't, Uh, One of the things that we've been doing on Facebook is trying to get more interaction from you guys. So feel free to talk, comment, um, post any of those things. And we don't, we don't block that, that page at all. So you're free to post whatever you want to on there. Um, We enjoy any kind of feedback you got. And if you got any ideas for the show, would like to come on and share your story of hope, then we would like to hear that. And you can send that to us at soberholicpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's soberholicpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, just let us know a little bit about your story and maybe a phone number or an email how to get back with you, and we'll get, get on there and talk to you about it. So, Jason, I think we're down another show. There's 60-something shows or so, maybe even going just, the 70 line. Yet. Yeah, well, I think we've done 65. Yeah, There we go. All right, well, that's another one in the books, and we'll see you guys next week. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out.
0: Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out Soberholicpodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: See you next week, Soberholics!